A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you joined us on this uh, Friday. Hopefully you'll get a chance to uh, head out, maybe do a little bit of shooting this weekend. I uh, wish that were going to be the case for me, but uh, it's supposed to be cold and uh, rainy on Sunday. So Saturday's probably going to be my one day when I can get out and do a little bit of shooting. Uh, if I can get my to-do list out of the way Saturday morning, perhaps I can send a few rounds downrange. I'm still very much limiting myself. By the way, uh, in terms of my shooting, I, I basically restricted myself to 22 long rifle uh, and uh, hoping for the best in terms of ammo availability, but <clears throat> that does seem to be rather problematic, doesn't it? Uh, so on today's program, we're going to be talking about right to carry. Uh, we've got a couple of things that are, I think, going to be popping uh, in the coming days and in the coming weeks uh, that I think is going to bring right to carry to the national forefront of the uh, conversation. Um, in a, uh, a couple of weeks, we're already actually we're already starting to see uh, amicus briefs coming in urging the Supreme Court to accept a carry case called New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Courtlet. Uh, the state of New York's response to the Supreme Court is due here in a couple of weeks. Once that response is in. Uh, the Supreme Court will schedule this case for conference. They'll debate whether or not they want to take this case. Again, it takes four justices to hear a case, five justices to win. This is, I think, going to be a, a, a critically important uh, decision by the Supreme Court. With Justice Amy Coney Barrett on the bench, the expectations are, okay, now we should clearly have the four justices needed uh, to hear a case. And in fact, we should have the five justices needed uh, to rule in favor of uh, the right to keep and bear arms as opposed to ruling in favor of uh, upholding gun control laws. So this is going to be a big test for the Supreme Court. Um, but it's not happening in a vacuum. While the Supreme Court is set to consider a carry case challenging New York State's carry laws, states around the country are still working to advance the right to keep and bear arms. In Utah on Thursday... The uh, state Senate uh, approved on a preliminary vote uh, permitless carry or constitutional carry. Now, this was, again, just a, a preliminary vote for now, but this bill has already cleared the House, uh, and it really did not run into any trouble uh, in its uh, uh, first uh, run-through uh, in the state Senate. This was not really a, a, a controversial bill. Uh, 23 to 6 was the first vote uh, on this measure. So I I'm anticipating that permitless carry uh, could be passed uh, by the state Senate in Utah and sent to Governor Spencer Cox's desk. I mean, it, it, it theoretically, it could happen today. I think it's probably going to be early next week, but I think it is coming uh, very rapidly. And this is fantastic news. Uh, House Bill 60 uh, is this measure. Uh, in the state of Utah, there were some objections uh, on the floor of the Senate as this bill was being debated on Thursday. Uh, Senator Kathleen Reby, according to the Deseret News, a Democrat from Cottonwood Heights, Utah, introduced an amendment that would exclude counties with populations of more than 700,000 people. So you'd have permitless county in rural Utah, but if you lived in Salt Lake City, uh, you would still 
have to have a concealed carry license uh, in order to carry. She said that she's, quote, received numerous emails very concerned about how uh, this bill would impact their county. Senator uh, Derek Kitchen of Salt Lake City uh, agreed, adding that the county is, quote, an immense diverse district where some people sleep on streets and others live in multi-million dollar homes. Oh, oh, okay. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter in terms of your right to keep and bear arms whether or not you live in a multi-million dollar home or you live in a tent on the street. Unless you are prohibited by law from carrying a firearm, your Second Amendment rights still exist. It's not based on the population density of the place where you live. It's not based on your income levels. It's not based on your own personal domicile. And in fact, I would argue that those Americans who make less money tend to live in neighborhoods that have more crime and their need to exercise their right to keep and bear arms is more acute than it would be, quite frankly, for me, who lives in you know rural Virginia. Um, now, again, we're not talking about the Bill of Needs here. Right. And I I don't agree with a need based argument. But if you want to have that need based argument, well, then I would say again that uh, those Utahns um, who who don't live in gated communities have a need for self-defense that is perhaps more acute than those who do. Thankfully, again, this isn't a needs based discussion. This is a rights based discussion. Uh, The sponsor of this bill, by the way. Uh, Senator David Hickens from Orangeville said that uh, he he would not accept that amendment that would limit the uh, uh, permitless carry law uh, to counties with a population of less than 700,000. He said that uh, conservative Utah County now has more than 600,000 residents. He said that would soon reach the population level. And he said, quote, some of us country bumpkins could come up here not knowing the law in Salt Lake City might get arrested for concealed carry. Uh, He said that the law should be consistent throughout the state of Utah. And his fellow senators agreed that amendment was uh, voted down by the state Senate. Senator Gene Davis of Salt Lake City, another Democrat, uh, also expressed concern, saying that uh, arming the citizenry, uh, he just doesn't think it's a good policy. He says, quote, this isn't the old West of the 1820s anymore. We're in 2021. And I think the one thing that we've seen with the proliferation of weaponry in this country, the anger of individuals has risen. Now, I, I mean, that's kind of an interesting chicken and egg conversation here. I I would dispute the idea that the anger of individuals has grown as uh, more Americans have exercised the right to keep and bear arms. Or not even more Americans, but as Senator uh, Davis said, the proliferation of weapons has somehow made us angrier. I don't think that's the case. Because if you look at the numbers, um, gun sales have been, now obviously 2020 was, was, was different. But gun sales have been extraordinarily strong, uh, dating back almost a decade now uh, to 2012. And violent crime continued to decrease from 2012 through 2019 before rising dramatically in 2020. So I don't think it's the proliferation of firearms that have led to the, uh, the anger of individuals. Um, I, I think if we're talking about the growing unrest around the country, well, there are a couple of things you can talk about. But I think fundamentally underpinning all of 
the, uh, the, the, the rise in violent crime, the rise in drug overdose deaths, the rise in suicides. It's COVID. It's COVID and how COVID and the stay-at-home orders have impacted our lives that I think is causing people's, not only their anger to rise, but I think their, um, their mental state to deteriorate in some cases. Uh, that's, that's a real issue. But it can't be solved by saying, well, we just can't trust people with their rights anymore. So we've got to limit what they can say. We've got to limit what they can own. We've got to limit their ability to be secure in their persons and property. That's not the way to address the issue. The way to address the issue, quite frankly, is to reopen the economy and to reopen our society as quickly as we possibly can. Um, And I didn't hear too many Democrats bring that up in the debate over permitless carry in Utah. So that's where things stand right now in Utah right now. Again, a 23 to 6 vote in the state Senate. This bill has already cleared the House. It has the support of Governor Spencer Cox in Virginia, or in Utah, excuse me. Man, I wish permitless carry the support of the governor of Virginia. Um, but I do expect that this bill is going to be signed in the very near future. And on Twitter on a Thursday evening, the folks over at Open Source Defense uh, noted, it bears repeating, they say, that the revolution in carry laws over the past 30 years hasn't gotten as much discussion as it deserves. Check out this statistic. 1986, there was one state that was permitless carry, state of Vermont. There were only eight states that were shall issue. In other words, you met the statutory requirements to, uh, to, to carry a firearm, then you could carry a firearm. 26 states, excuse me, um, yeah, 25 states were May issue. Think California, think New York, um, where you can be denied for any reason or no reason whatsoever. Even if you are legally eligible to own a firearm, you've passed a background check, you've gone through all the required training, uh, you can be denied because they say, well, you're just not suitable, in our opinion, uh, to own a firearm. 1986, half the country was May issue. And in addition to those 25 states that were May issue, there were 16 states that were no issue. You could not get a concealed carry license because they did not offer a concealed carry license. You, not ca- you could not carry concealed because that was just flat out against the law. That's what the map looked like in 1986. In 1987, Florida passes its right to carry bill and the right to carry revolution kicks off in earnest. And now here we are in 2021. We have 16 states that are currently constitutional carry. Utah would be number 17. We have 26 states that are shall issue when it comes to the issuance of concealed carry laws. We only have eight states left in the union that are may issue, down from 25 in 1986. And the 16 no-issue states has dropped now to zero. Illinois, the last state in the union to adopt a concealed carry law. They did this under... Uh, threat of Supreme Court action a few years ago. There was a blanket ban on the carrying of firearms, couldn't carry openly, couldn't carry concealed. There was a lawsuit, and the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the blanket prohibition on lawful carrying of firearms violated the constitutional rights of Illinois residents. And rather than appeal that decision up to the Supreme Court, uh, the state of Illinois listened to the advice of gun control activists who did not want the court to hear this case, and they acquiesced. They said, fine, 
we're not going to fight this. We're not going to challenge this. We don't want this nationwide precedent if the Supreme Court were to uh, uh, uphold the decision by the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. So instead, we'll adopt a, a shall issue licensing regime. That is not great. I mean, it still, to me, uh, requires uh, too many hours of mandatory training. Uh, but it is a, I mean, it's, it's, it's worlds away from a blanket prohibition on the carrying of firearms, which was the, uh, the law of the land in Illinois until very recently. So Illinois becoming the last state in the union to remove its blanket prohibition on the carrying of firearms. And now there are zero states uh, that actually completely um, restrict or, 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 or bar uh, the bearing of arms. There are, again, eight states that make it theoretically possible to obtain a concealed carry license, but depending on where you live, very difficult. State of New Jersey, for example, just a couple of hundred active concealed carry licenses throughout the entire state. Um, California, very much depends on where you live. If you live in Los Angeles County, odds are you're not going to be able to obtain a concealed carry license. If you live in Riverside County or in Orange County, odds are that you will be able to get a concealed carry license. San Francisco County, no way. Not going to happen. Even with homicides and armed robberies on the rise, nope. If you live in Sacramento, chances are you'll be able to obtain a concealed carry license. That type of May issue and subjective issuing of a concealed carry license, again, is the issue that is going to be uh, confronted by the Supreme Court here in a few weeks as they consider New York's carry laws. Which uh, New York again, one of those eight remaining May issue states. Gun control activists, uh, you know, they want to make it seem like, well, if the Supreme Court were to, to to take this case, if they were to strike down New York's gun control laws, I mean, this would be uh, uh, an incredible, um, uh, you know, rewriting of the Second Amendment. It would not be a rewriting of the Second Amendment. The right of the people to keep and bear bear arms shall not be infringed. I mean, that's what the Second Amendment says. But even if you want to take a quote unquote living uh, a constitution view of that document. It is clear that over the course of the centuries that the Bill of Rights has been in place, the pre-existing right to keep and bear arms has been continuously recognized by states around the country. And the right to carry revolution is a perfect example of this. Again, just in the past 30 years, we have seen this sea change in terms of states recognizing the right to carry of the average citizen, and that is um, now by far the the standard uh, around the country. Again, with uh, uh, you know twenty six states that are shall issue, another sixteen states that uh, and soon to be seventeen that are permitless carry. Now there are concealed carry licenses in those permitless carry states, but they're also shall issue. So you have forty two states that will issue you a concealed carry license if you meet the statutory requirements. You only have eight. That say, no, 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 no. Even if you meet those requirements, we reserve the right to tell you you can't exercise your ability to bear arms. They're the odd states out now. Uh, and this would not be a rewriting of history or the Constitution for the Supreme Court to strike down these may issue subjective licensing laws. It would actually be fully in line uh, with the plain language of the Second Amendment and the history, and the text, and the tradition of the right to keep and bear arms. Bringing these handful of states into line with the rest of the country in recognizing the individual right of the people to bear arms in self-defense. So we'll keep an eye on that uh, Supreme Court case. We'll be uh, writing about it. Uh, I had a piece yesterday at bearingarms.com about the, actually this was Wednesday, 
uh, afternoon about the 23 state attorneys general uh, who are backing this lawsuit at the Supreme Court. There are a couple of other amicus briefs that have been filed that we'll be uh, writing about perhaps over the weekend, early next week. Uh, And again, here in a couple of weeks, the state of New York will submit its uh, response uh, to this lawsuit to the Supreme Court. And after that, I expect that the uh, case will soon be scheduled uh, to be considered in conference. All right, let's turn our attention now to our good deed of the day, our armed citizen story, our recidivist report. We'll start there with a story out of Nashville, Tennessee, where a robbery suspect uh, held down by customers, turns out uh, well-known to law enforcement in the area. Um, According to Fox 17, this was a Tuesday night at the La Hacienda restaurant in Donaldson, Tennessee. Guy comes in, tries to uh, rob the cash register, stabbed both of the store owners or the restaurant owners as he's trying to get the money out of the till. Uh, Rodrigo Torres is the um, uh, owner's son. He was not there when it happened. He said, it's worrying. He said, this area is getting more and more violent. We've got to take steps to take care of ourselves. Well, the customers inside that store actually grabbed and tackled 34-year-old Keenan Ty Cook. They held him down until police arrived. Uh, Rodrigo Torres says it's really, really good to know that some people will stand up when there are other people in danger. His parents are thankfully already out of the hospital. They are expected to fully recover. Uh, When it comes to Mr. Cook, however, he was... um, apparently out on supervised probation for a previous robbery when he allegedly tried to rob La Hacienda. Fox 17 reached out to the Metro Police Department to ask why uh, Cook was out on probation, given his previous criminal history. He was arrested in 2017 for three robberies, uh, one of an Exxon market, one of a Delta Express, another Circle K. Another robbery charge uh, was downgraded to a misdemeanor theft charge. And uh, one defense attorney in Nashville that Fox 17 spoke to said, uh, there are some cases you just can't make, and you have to plead out to what you can get. Uh, That's not the fault of the police department. It may be the fault of the people who were robbed who didn't want to come forward anymore. You just don't know, which is fair enough. But again, only one of those robbery charges was downgraded to a misdemeanor. Uh, A spokesman for the DA's office, Steve Hayslip, said that uh, uh, Cook was placed in a residential drug abuse program uh, once he completed that drug abuse program, he then filed a motion for a suspended sentence, and criminal court judge Monty Watkins granted that suspended sentence back in 2019. Uh, he still had four years left of probation at the time. Uh, this uh, defense attorney, David Rabin, said, quote, unfortunately for the victims in this case, this was another failure. Uh, but I suggest to you that in this particular case, that this guy is not going to slip through the cracks again. I'm sure they will give him the full attention that it deserves. Yeah. You, are you are you are you really confident about that? I wish that I could be that confident, but I can't be that confident because I, I cover these stories every day, and I know the failures of the criminal justice system, where ninety seven percent of felony cases end up in plea bargains. So I, I would love to believe that now that Mr. Cook is accused of stabbing two people in the commission of a robbery, that all of a sudden the criminal justice system is going to take him more seriously. But my experience has not shown that to be the case. So I will reserve my judgment. Well, I'm not even going to reserve my judgment. I'm going to take a very cynical view of the criminal justice system and how it treats people like Mr. Cook uh, until I am uh, proven otherwise. Uh, Today's armed citizen story from Gwinnett County, Georgia, where a man tried to commit three robberies, um, was unable to do so each and every time, and uh, the third time finally ended up with an armed citizen uh, defending himself 
This was um, Monday morning. Within the span of about 30 minutes on Monday morning, according to uh, Gwinnett County Police, the uh, suspect, uh, 26-year-old Lamont Dickerson of Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, first tried to carjack a vehicle. It was shortly after 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, the victim told officers that he was sitting in his car when he was approached by an unarmed man, later identified as a Dickerson, who then opened the driver's side door, told him to get out. The victim instead drove away. Uh, Dickerson then attempted to carjack a second vehicle. Just a couple of minutes later, in that attempt, uh, when uh, Police Corporal Colin Flynn said, Dickerson got into the uh, female victim's car through the passenger door and then ordered the woman out of her vehicle. She refused. And he ended up taking off, even though he was in the passenger seat of the car. Before police got there, he, he had took off running. Uh, a couple of minutes later, police get a call about an attempted home invasion that had been reported nearby. Homeowner said a man used a brick to break a window and then gain entry to the home. Corporal Flynn said, quote, when he entered the home, he was confronted by an armed homeowner. Dickerson fled from the homeowner and led police on a foot chase before being arrested. He was taken into custody just a couple of minutes later. Uh, detectives say they're now trying to figure out the motive for the alleged crime spree. He's facing a charge of home invasion, two counts of second-degree hijacking, and uh, the homeowner acting in self-defense. Sounds like the uh, trigger wasn't even pulled. Sounds like the presence of that firearm was enough to convince the uh, home invader well, maybe I should go try to rob another car because um, he took off running. So the home invader not facing any charges. Mr. Dickerson, excuse me, the homeowner not facing any charges. The home invader, on the other hand, yeah, facing several crimes. And finally today, our good deed of the day. Topeka, Kansas, where several citizens helped to subdue a man who attacked a Topeka police officer and tried to take his gun. This was Thursday afternoon, actually Thursday morning, just about 9 a.m., uh, an officer was called to investigate a, a possible unwanted person at a home, according to uh, Gretchen Spiker, who's a, a PR uh, a specialist for the Topeka Police Department. Spiker said when the officer arrived on scene, a man unrelated to the original call came by riding a bicycle. And then he got off the bicycle, charged the officer, and began to attack him, trying to grab the officer's gun. A uh, anonymous citizen then stepped in, Helped the officer subdue the man. Uh, the officer was not seriously hurt, thankfully. Uh, the um, guy who uh, tried to attack him, uh, 22-year-old Justin X. Reed, now being held without bond in the Shawnee County Jail, uh, charged with robbery, aggravated a battery to a law enforcement officer, interfering with a law enforcement officer, and possessing marijuana, according to uh, jail records. The uh, interim Topeka Police Chief, Brian Wheeler, on Thursday afternoon, um, said that, uh, quote, we have all been profoundly moved uh, by the widespread community outpouring of support and concern that we received afterwards. And he uh, was very grateful uh, to that citizen who was able to assist the officer in subduing that suspect. So uh, in the right place, at the right time, wasn't able to do the right thing, that anonymous citizen there in Topeka, Kansas, uh, we thank you for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you, as always, for being a part of the program. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media, and that way you'll never miss a program. Or you can uh, subscribe to Bearing Arms Cam and Company on Rumble, and that way you'll make sure to catch every show as well. Uh, also, if you just want the audio version, we've got you covered. Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, townhall.com's podcast page. Plenty of places for you to find and share the show Hope that, again that you have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you back here Monday with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But until then, be well, be safe, and be free.